Here's what God's Word says. For this reason, we must pay attention all the more to what we have heard. So that, so that, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through the angels, if it was legally binding and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment, then how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles, and and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to His will. You may be seated. Indeed, that is God's holy and inerrant word. Brothers and sisters, the main idea of the passage before us is simply this. The author is warning us, warning the church, warning individuals, you could even say, you could say warning everybody, I guess, against neglecting such a great salvation. So that would be the main point, a warning against neglecting such a great salvation, a warning against neglecting the truths of the gospel, a warning against neglecting our personal obedience to Christ. The writer of Hebrews wants us to pay attention to something, obviously. He wants us to pay attention to what we've heard, what you've heard. Uh, What what have we heard? We've heard the gospel. Uh, These people have heard the gospel. They've heard that Jesus is better than. He's greater than. Uh, He's better than, so, so don't drift. Away. If we believe he's better than, then we will not drift away, would be what the writer is wanting us to grab this morning. So, where are we going? How is this going to flow today? How do you know? Let me be helpful to you, okay? Here's where we're going we're going to talk about the potential of spiritual drift. The potential of spiritual drift. We have a potential to drift. We're going to talk about the actual dangers of spiritual drift. And then ultimately, we're going to talk about finding our way back to God from those of us, maybe you, who've drifted from God. But as you listen this morning, I want you to obviously listen, and I want you to hear God's Word, apply God's Word, obey God's Word, but I also want you to listen with an ear that's going to allow you to have a conversation with your children, a conversation with somebody that you love. Maybe you could take notes in such a way where you could just a share a piece or a part of this sermon. You see, when you teach something, you share something, you really start to own it. And that's kind of part of discipleship. We, we take what we learn and we share it with others. So listen, not just for yourself this morning, but listen also with the goal of teaching others. But, but own it, grab it this morning. You know, I don't know if you remember a song. I think some of you will. I know... I know Rod will remember this. Uh, Rabbi will remember this. I think Melinda will, 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 will remember this. It goes like this. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Anybody feeling me right now? Who sings that? The Doobie Brothers. That's exactly right. 
You see, musicians are interesting little creatures, aren't they? They're very odd. But they want you to get lost in their music, don't they? Oftentimes. They want you to be swept away, to drift away, to get away, to drift into a place that is free from troubles, right? Especially the Doobie Brothers, you know? But here's the question. Has anybody ever just drifted away and ended up someplace helpful? Probably not. Only on television or only in Disneyland. In Disneyland, can you drift away and then end someplace magical? Usually you end up in a really bad place. So if we're talking about the potential for spiritual drift, I want us to think on a more noble song, a more robust song, a song that actually anchors us uh, to the Lord, that that song would be, Come Thou Fount. And listen to these words, as, he said, as, as the writer says this, Bind my wandering heart to thee, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Wow. You know, we sing that song in this church. You see, because Christians are prone to wander. We get ourselves into all sorts of messes because we fail, oftentimes, pastor included, to fix our eyes on Jesus. See, sometimes we know what we're supposed to do, we just don't do it, and we find ourselves drifting. But the author, in this particular verse 1, if you will, in this grouping, if you will, it provides us with the first of the five warnings that we're going to see in the book of Hebrews. There's five warnings in the book of Hebrews. Warnings, right? If you think about a warning, what are you thinking of? You need to know this, right? Pay attention, right? So we're going to see that in the very first verse. Let me read it to you, the warning. It says this, verse 1. For this reason, we... Just put your name in there. Garrett Wick. He must pay attention all the more to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Powerful. Imperative. Command. Warning. You see, when you see the words, for this reason, or maybe some of you have the language that says this, therefore, so for this reason is our translation, CSB, but it might say, therefore, we need to do something. When you see that word, therefore, or however it's written, we need to perk our ears up and really lean in because something significant, something monumental is happening in the text. We've got to lean in. So what do we need to lean in to? Well, what we just heard what they just heard, what you heard. But what are we talking about? Therefore, we're perking our ears up to what we learned in chapter 1. We learned in chapter 1 that Jesus is greater than everything. That Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than the priest and the prophet. Jesus is greater. So therefore, we must pay attention. That's what the writer wants us to grab. You see, Jesus has made a way of salvation. We learned last week that he's made that way. He, he did that by going to the cross. He's done that by paying for our sins. Jesus has defeated sin. He's defeated death. And now according to the text, therefore chapter 1, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Jesus is the Messiah for those who repent and believe the good news of the gospel 
you will save. Jesus is sitting down, brothers and sisters, because there's nothing else to do. When you've got nothing else to do, you sit down. Jesus has done it. He's, he's, therefore, because he's done it, how can we neglect such a great salvation? The audience, the Hebrew audience, is being told, you must pay attention. See, sometimes we don't lean in and pay attention when we know things. You see, see, we can know things. We can know them, but we don't actually know them. You see, it hasn't transformed us. It hasn't gripped us. It hasn't taken us to the mat. We can know things, but just not know things. Sometimes we have a lot of head knowledge. And we use God's word almost like a bludgeoning object to crush people over their heads. You see, so we don't, we, we, we know, we have an idea of things, but we really don't know God. You know, we can know things, but not know things. Uh, the, the, the writer is saying, you, you need to pay attention to what you have heard. You need to pay attention to the messenger who had the message. And this message is, this messenger is the prophet. He is the great high priest. This, is the, this messenger is the one who sat down and has made a way when there was no other way. I've got a granddaughter, and if you are hanging out with me or you know me, you know that I like to brag on her. Her name is Haven. Now, Haven is an interesting little character who will, she will demand of you your full attention. Now, she's already worked something out. She's worked this out, that if I give her my attention, it's going to lead to affection. The attention that I give her is going to lead to affection. Now, I want you to know something. Her motives are never pure. <laughs> no, they're not pure. Uh, uh, Haven doesn't know that I know this, but I know Haven's using me, and I like to be used by her. She's got me wrapped around her little finger, right? But she knows if I give Papa's attention, it's going to lead to affection. And trust me, this is going someplace good. She's worked it out. Her love language is gifts. Lots of gifts. And she forgets the last time she got a gift. So she's not one where you can say, well, I just bought you a gift an hour ago. But she, an hour ago, was a, that's, a, that's a long time ago. She's worked it out. Attention will lead to affection. You see, brothers and sisters, that's the same way with you and I. Whatever gets our attention is actually getting our affection, whether we realize it or not. So the writer is warning all of us to pay attention to something. Yet not just to what you heard, ultimately, but to pay attention to your life. Pay attention to your life, your life, your personal life. The Hebrew people are dealing with something significant. They are dealing with the pressures of being rejected by their own community, the Jewish community. You see, they've converted over to this thing called Christianity, and it ain't real popular. They've been isolated, ostracized. They're dealing with the pressures of being unwelcomed by the Roman community. I mean, the Jewish community doesn't want them. The Roman community sure doesn't want them. So they're going through those pains of that, the rigors of that. There's trials that are going on. There's this ultimate discomfort. Have you ever been rejected? It hurts when you're shunned. But see, brothers and sisters, the Word of God teaches us, and we'll learn today, that we are required, we should want to, we should pay attention 
to these things. Pay attention when there's, in all things, but especially when there's discomfort. We've got to really lean in during the trials because what you stay anchored to, if you stay anchored to Christ, you're not going to drift. You see, we need to be anchored to something. And everybody's anchored to something. The question is, what are you anchored to? Well, obviously the writer is saying, be anchored to Christ. Because He is greater. We must pay attention, brothers and sisters, you right now, pay attention to where you are right now. Where are you? I want you to consider this, as the writer wants us to examine this. Pay attention to what you've personally heard. What have you heard? What did you hear last week? Pay attention to what Jesus has done for you. Pay attention to who Jesus is so that you will not drift, drift past this safe harbor. And Jesus is that safe harbor. He's our steady anchor. He's our anchor. We must not drift because we need the anchor. We have the anchor. We don't pass by the safe harbor as we're anchored to Christ. So what are the dangers of spiritual drift? Ultimately, you end up in a place where you don't want to be. You end up in a place you don't want to be. And we say things like, I can't believe I actually got here. Well, I think it should be, I can't believe you thought you were going to get someplace different. Because you see, when we drift, we end up going places we don't want to be. It has been well said, and the quote's on the screen here, sin will take you farther than you want to go, it will keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Of course it does. But ultimately, we need to be reminded of something, that there's a consequence when we drift. There's a consequence when we drift. Christians are prone to wander, but wandering away, drifting away, is not profitable. And the writer wants us to know that, listen, we can avoid the drift when we're anchored to Christ. That it is possible to get victory from from drifting. We can do that because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within the believer. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews 2.2. For if the message spoken through angels, was legally binding, and every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment. Let me stop there for a second. What's the point even in that verse? The heavy verse, it's actually easy to work through it, you'll get it. But the point here in this verse is God has given the law at Mount Sinai. The law is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. The the Lord has given the people the law. The law is meant to be obeyed. Talking about the Old Testament, right? The law is still beautiful. It's meant to be obeyed. The law says if you obey, there's going to be blessing. I just want you to understand the attributes of God. The law says if you obey, there's going to be blessing. That's what God's Word says continuously. That's one of the melodic lines through Uh, the Word of God. But listen, there's going to be blessing when you obey. And and we like blessings. I've said often, we're kind of like Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy, right? But listen, as you walk with Christ, it's not always going to be rainbows and unicorns. 
The law says if you don't obey, there will be, there will be a cursing. There's going to be a consequence. So the law is teaching all of us something yet again. That there's a blessing when you obey God's word, and there's a cursing. There's, a, there, there's going to be punishment for those who don't. Okay? There's a punishment. We live in a world that is very happy to receive the blessings of God. We sure teach that a lot, right? However, they're not so thrilled about the punishment aspect of it. So the world oftentimes is in the business of, of omitting things or deleting things that it just doesn't seem to fit their worldview. So I mean, after all, if you don't like it, just cut it out and just say it means something else. Maybe out of touch or whatever we want to say. You know, the world, they certainly, you know, you could find the, the, the greatest pagan known to man. You could get the pagan of the year, pagan of the dec decade award. And you'll say, oh yes, I believe in heaven. But they don't believe in hell. They believe everybody's going to heaven because after all, I mean, come on, pastor, haven't you of all people read your Bible where it says that God is love? Or we hear this one. You know, I believe, always a trouble, there's always trouble when someone says, you know what I believe? Usually what comes out, <laughs> not really helpful after that. But they'll say things like, well, I just believe all roads lead to heaven. Of course you believe that because you've suppressed the truth. You've seared your conscience so that you can get over on yourself because the Bible says that everybody knows that there's a God. But they suppress the truth because they're sinful, just like you and I. There's a worldview that will teach us to sing the Partridge Family song. Just be happy. I want to read this to you. You can't make this stuff up. Presbyterian minister says this, Dr. Reverend Dick Fica, F-I-C-C-A, it's a Presbyterian minister who heads up an interfaith organization. And he told his denomination, and I quote, at a peacemaking peace, peace conference, that salvation through Christ was the norm, was normative for Christians. But there were other valid faiths. What a lie from the pit of hell. That's blasphemy. You know, Jesus said in his word in John 14, 6 through 7, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Hello. If you know me, this is Jesus, if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, do you, do you, do you know him? From now on, you know him and you have seen him. The point I want to make is, I am the way. He's the only way. That's what God's Word says. So what this minister just got done saying contradicts the Word of God. But let me tell you what it does do. It does help you to win friends and influence people. It's what it does. But it's heresy. You see, God is, is, is going to be consistently faithful not just to the blessings of God's Word, but also to His warnings. He's faithful 
to the blessings of his word and also the warnings. And there's five of them in Hebrews. Why is he faithful? Because he's faithful. He's holy. He's just. He's righteous. He's so holy that he can't even be in the presence of sin. We're dealing with a holy, holy God. God is going to be faithful to his word. And his word says, according to Hebrews 2, 2, every transgression and obedience received a just punishment. It's going to be dealt with. What's a transgression here in the text? What does it mean here? It's, an, it's actively sinning against boundaries. It's a willful walk across the line. To willfully walk across the line. So the transgression is. But brothers and sisters, for those who fail to repent and believe the gospel message, their punishment will be hell. Eternal separation from God. For those of us who are Christians, yes, we too will drift away, but we will come back to Him. We belong to Him. And He's never lost one yet. We're going to drift away. But when we drift away, there's still a consequence. Ultimately, we make shipwrecks of our lives. We see families paying the penalty and the price for the sins of the father and the mother. We miss out on fruitful times of ministry. We have our spiritual growth stunted because we're so far away from God. We've drifted away. But there's hope. Because God will bring us back to Himself. But we need to obey. And this is a warning for those who have drifted. That God by His grace has allowed you to sit under the teaching of God's Word and you say, that is me today. By God's grace, He's wooing me back to Himself. So how do we find our way back to God? How do, those, how do you find your way back to God if you've drifted? Or maybe you've got a friend that's drifted. Uh, what do we do when we've drifted far from God? Well, let's look at verses 3 and 4. He says this, how will, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken of by the Lord. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard Him at the same time. God also testified by signs and wonders and various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to His will. But what a great question being posed. Think about the question in the text. How will we, how will the Christian escape punishment from a just and holy God when we as a people neglect something that's even greater than the law. That's what's on display here. Something greater, even better than the law. How will we escape judgment when God himself testifies to this such great salvation? How will we escape if we neglect the evidence of the signs and wonders and miracles and, and, and the prophets and angels and God's own Son, Jesus Christ, who spoke to us. He came to us. He walked with us. Now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. 
Brothers and sisters, the Son came to the earth. The writers, the, the, the listeners, the hearers know this. It's why they've come to a saving faith. They heard the Gospel message and they've responded to that message. They heard it and responded. They understood that the Son, Jesus, is the Messiah. And this Son was the atonement. The Son was the propitiation for our sins. The Son has made a way when there was no other way. So how can, we, how can anyone not expect the wrath of God when someone rejects and refuses God's Son? So now I'm not talking about a Christian. I've shifted on you. But what about those who have never trusted Christ? Who are not saved, not regenerated? How can anyone not expect God's wrath when they reject and refuse His Son? When they say, no, I don't want that. How can we not expect God's punishment for those who neglect and ignore warnings? Brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we must not only take heed to God's Word, we must not neglect this Word, we must not neglect such a great, salvation that is what's being shared here in the text so how do we find our way back from god when we've drifted from god well ultimately we need to fix our eyes on jesus what you're looking at is where you're going to go if, if you're looking this way you're going to go this way and he's saying don't just look in a place fix your eyes on jesus so how do we find our way back we've drifted with god, drifted from god we commune with God through prayer. We let the Lord know what we're facing and how we feel. We pray. We, we, we pour our hearts out to Him. You see, God is so merciful to us that He understands your needs before you pray them. We can say things to God like, Lord, I am scared. I am fearful. I am restless. I am anxious. I am hopeless. Oh, how I need Thee. Uttering those words, coming to a place of, I am broken. That means you're going low. And when you go low, God will bring you high. You see, what we uncover, God covers. What we cover, God uncovers. We got to make sure that the anchor has set. We got to drop that anchor again. The writer is going to use these nautical metaphors, talking about boats and mooring and a dock and dropping an anchor, all talking about boating. But he's saying, drop your anchor. Get, get, make sure that, that that anchor is dropped into wherever it needs to be so you don't move. Be steady. Be steadfast. Drop the anchor and check the anchor. When we check the anchor, we've got to ask ourselves, what am I near? What am I looking at? Is this the surroundings that it should look like according to God's Word? Let me tell you how we can all drift. Let me give you the recipe for drifting. Do nothing. Do nothing. Let me illustrate the point. If you're in a marriage, some people say, you know, my marriage is, is a little rocky. You know, I'm married to a screamer. Always all fired up and uptight. Okay, that, that's, I get not helpful, but but you can have someone who doesn't even talk to you. 
You can have two people in a marriage, they don't even talk to each other anymore. Well, if they don't do nothing, they just kind of live with each other. They're not yelling at each other. They do nothing. They're just roommates. They're going to drift. If a man's not paying attention to his wife, he's not doing anything, he's neglecting her, which is going to lead to drift. If we, if we, we tell ourselves we want to lose 50 pounds or whatever you want to lose, and you don't do anything, it's neglect. And then in time, the pounds are going to just continue to pile up because you haven't done anything. It's just neglect. You, don't, you can do nothing. I wonder what the writer's trying to tell us. Sometimes we just do nothing. What are some of the signs of drift? We stop being engaged. We're a victim. It happened to me again. No one talks to me here. We no longer press into things anymore. We start to isolate ourselves. We just start coasting. We start living off of the Bible studies that we learned eight years ago, four years ago, 12 years ago, and there's enough in there for us to be able to speak Christianese, and we just use that, and no one really checks, so we kind of get away with it. We're not growing. We're kind of on autopilot. We still come to church. We're just coasting. Signs of drift, not often talked about, but sometimes we live our lives according to the things of this world. And the world teaches you that you'll work real hard, put a lot of money in the bank, get that 401k crack, and make sure you got enough. And when you get to that certain age, whether it's 62, 65, 72, whatever it is, that's the time where you want to enjoy your life, and we call it retirement. And yes, I've heard it said many a times, you know, I know John Piper talks about don't waste your life, and don't be the person that picks up seashells on the side of the beach, and that's your whole deal you know, be active and those types of things. But I want to go a little deeper than that this morning. I want to take you, I just want you to just get a fresh look at, at your life, my life, and go, what are we living for? Where do we need to have a warning in our lives? Is our lives really our own if we're in Christ? Because this is, this is what I believe to be true. A lot of times when we retire, we, we're just on autopilot, we're coasting. Because the world tells us you've already worked. But, but is it logical to think this? Let's just go with somebody who's 70 years old in good health. I believe that at 70, you've learned a lot. That you, 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 are, you are more knowledgeable in the things of God than you were when you were in your 40s. And this knowledge that you have, this love that you have for the things of God needs to be shared and passed down and invested to the next generation. That God has entrusted to you your life. You see, if you woke up this morning and someone didn't put white chalk around your body, that means you're still alive. And God has a purpose for you. But let me tell you what happens in the church. A lot of times, the older saints have bought into the lie that I'm retired. I'm going to take it easy. 
Praise God that guys like Caleb never said that. Caleb said, give me the mountain. Caleb was ready to invest his life. So yes, there's no retirement in the Bible, but you see, those are things we say. But do we really believe that? Brothers and sisters, we've got to take heed to God's word. A 70-year-old retired person in the church is gold. Absolutely gold. And if I'm speaking to you this morning, know this. I will help you. If you say, preacher, I'm that person, and and I'd like to engage. I just don't know how. Just let us know so we can give you a map and we can show you how. So brothers and sisters, signs of drift are just coasting. Signs of drift is we no longer stop fighting. We no longer, uh, we, we stop enduring. The word enduring, let me tell you what it means. It's the ability, it's the ability to bear up under pressure. Jesus teaches us how to endure. Jesus endured because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus endured temporal comfort because he loves us. Because he was on mission. You know, you and I can endure temporal discomfort because of what he's done. We can look at God's word and say, I believe this to be true. I can endure. We can endure. Jesus endured because of the joy set before him. Jesus endured because he is faithful. He was faithful even to the point of death on a tree. Jesus was faithful when he was hammered to a tree. Jesus endured even though the Pharisees lied about him. Jesus endured even when Peter denied him, his friend. He endured when Judas betrayed him, but the night before he was washing his feet. Jesus endured, as it says in John 6, 66, when he was teaching. He's putting his heart out there. He's sharing the hard things. The Bible says that many walked away right at that moment because they said he teaches these hard things. We want easy street. We, we, we want easy. We just want someone to, to, just to caress us. And, and, and we need that. We need to be caressed. We, we need to be encouraged. But if all we have is encouragement, if we're not paying attention to the warnings, we're not getting the God of the Bible. Brothers and sisters, I would say this, myself included. We walk away from many things we need to be walking into. We say things like, I don't go to church anymore because that person hurt me. The leader didn't hear me out, didn't give me what I wanted, or, or whatever it would be. Brothers and sisters, you are going to be hurt in the church, outside of the church, but you are called to endure, to press in, to get up under, and knowing that you don't have to do it on your own. So why is it that we oftentimes forget to endure or don't endure? Because we forget 
who we are. Let me tell you who you are. Let me on the screen. Romans 8, 11. I mean, just the Spirit of God that's in us. Look at this. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells within the believer. We can and we should and we will endure. We can do this. And we don't do it on our own. Listen, faith is predicated on trust, not understanding. Some of you, I just got to understand. No, listen. Faith is predicated on trust. Brothers and sisters, don't die in this earth, in this earth before you die. Don't check out before it's time. So many people just check out. Be engaged, even in your older years. Be engaged. Young people too, be engaged. We need to be a people where it's His will be done, not mine. I will endure. It is His will. I will follow Him. He is my sure and steady anchor. I will fix my eyes on Him and I'm going to go where He says to go. Yes, we live in a world that wants your attention. We live in a world that will constantly give you all sorts of media and sound bites. They'll give you billboards. We've got social media. But I would implore you, I, I would suggest to you that the Lord wants you to pay attention to the worthiest of all messages, which is the Gospel. The one where Jesus Christ sent His Son to a people who were in need of a Savior. A lost people. A people that were needy. A people who could not save themselves. That old story, the Gospel. He's saying pay attention to the worthiest of all messages. Don't you forget what He has done. Don't you neglect such a good and great salvation. Brothers and sisters, some of us are very much into people following us. Follow my Instagram, like this, like that. I would encourage you to think about the things in your life that you need to unfollow. To unfollow is brave. To unfollow is, 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 is more like your father. To unfollow the things of the world. To cut that, to cut it. And follow after Christ. What can you unfollow? Unfollow it. What is keeping you from running the gospel race? What's keeping you from being in your lane? Not somebody else's lane. You've got a lane to run in. What is that lane? Run in it. Run to the prize. Run to Christ. Run to Him. We avoid spiritual drift by reading His Word. We avoid spiritual drift by hearing the Word of God, by meditating on the Word of God, and ultimately by obeying God's Word. Let us be a people that don't just hear with our ears, but hear from our hearts. If you've been transformed, you hear with your heart, and a heart that loves God wants to obey God, even though we'll never do that perfectly.
Brothers and sisters, as I've shared in, with some of you in recent times, we're in a day and age where the church wants more. I mean, people, the communities and churches want lots of things. They want to be catered to. And there's that whole consumer mentality. And I know that many of you know that and you've heard that. So I'm not speaking at you, speaking with you. Brothers and sisters, we don't need... Uh, the church is not a menu for us to just select what we want. I want this, I want this, I want this, and what makes me happy is this, that, and the other thing. What we need is a map. We need a map to get from here to there. And the writer is saying, are you stuck? Let me tell you how to get from here to there. Fall in love with Christ. Remember what He's done for you. Go back and think and meditate on what He's already done. Otherwise, we won't be a movement for God. We'll be a monument. Just people taking up space, smiling at one another. But we're statues waiting for somebody else to do it. The church is at its best when we're a movement. Obeying God. When as one writer said, obedience in the same direction for a long time. That's our walk with God. I'll close by this. C.S. Lewis in Chronicles of Narnia said this. He beautifully portrays the growing Christian experience. And he talks about this ever-enlarging Christ in this book, in this movie. He says this. Welcome, child, he said, speaking of Lucy. Lucy said to Aslan, you're bigger. And he says, That's, that is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. When you obey God, you'll start seeing God bigger. It's the growth of a Christian. That's what we do. We grow. We ask God for his help. We know that we're less than perfect. But God hears, he restores, he takes the drifter, and he pulls him back to shore and says, son, daughter, what do you say we give this another try? And when we learn that lesson, even more fruit can be poured out to others. How great is the salvation given to us by our Lord. Amen? Allow me to pray with you. Would you please stand?